I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute, and if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan, I'm your host, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is the Where the Crawdads Sing movie adaptation. So the trailer dropped for it. Daisy Edgar-Jones is the lead role. She's really having a moment lately. We talked about her being in Fresh with Sebastian Stan. She was in uh, Normal People. That's kind of where she really got her, like, boost in fame but I'm getting sidetracked here because what I want to actually talk about is a the fact that Taylor Swift did a song for it and it plays in the background of the trailer and in the trailer you don't really hear Taylor start singing until sort of the end and it reminds me of the Hunger Games song she did you know years and years ago it kind of has that haunting sound the songs Taylor does for soundtracks are never my favorite because I feel like she always sort of goes in the same direction with them. Like, again, very haunting, kind of like this background music. This one has kind of a Lana Del Rey feel to me, which a lot of <laughs> Taylor's more wistful songs do. Okay, so that's just to give you guys a little bit of background, kind of why this book, movie, the author are back in the news again. And to provide a little bit more background, this book really popped off, became very popular because Reese Witherspoon did it as part of her book club. And as a lot of people will say, Reese Witherspoon's book recommendations have sort of become like the Oprah recommendations of this time period. So whenever she puts her stamp of approval on something, it goes very viral. And she is also the one producing this movie. So all that to say that this movie has a lot of backing, you know, a lot of big Hollywood players in it. But what people are not talking about and publicizing is the fact that Delia Owens, the author of this book, she has been around for a while because she's older. I want to say she's in her 70s. She did conservation work with her husband, Mark Owens, for years and years and years and over, over in Africa. And they had a conservation area in Zambia and poachers were a big problem apparently and ABC was over there filming footage with the Owenses for a documentary they were doing and a poacher comes on the property and like on film they shoot this man three times and kill him disgusting I mean obviously Poaching is horrible. I'm an animal lover. I don't condone poaching, but that's no reason to literally take someone's life uh, when they come on your property, in my opinion. Uh, and to this day, the Owenses are wanted for questioning in Zambia with the connection to this murder. So the theory is that the person who first fired the first shot was actually the Owens's son. And on the footage that apparently aired on ABC, the person who fires the first shot, his identity is sort of blurred out. You can't see who he is, but obviously it's on film somewhere. Like if anyone <laughs> wanted to find the footage, it probably is still out there. And then two other men or one or two other men fired the other shots. And I'm just shook by this, especially... Okay, so I've never read this book, full disclosure, but because I was reading this story, I was kind of interested in the parallels between this story and the book, so I looked up some spoilers about it, and if you have read the book or if you want to read spoilers about it, I think you will see some interesting connections with the general overarching 
plot line of the book and what happened here. So it's just crazy to me and disgusting. And maybe, you know, people obviously are talking about it more because of uh, the film coming out. This story got traction back in 2019 when the book was getting a lot of popularity and now it's cropping up again because of the movie coming out. But I just think it's worth knowing and just insane and and just weird. And I think it's safe to say that Reese Witherspoon probably will not be commenting on this anytime soon. Okay, and a complete pivot of exciting personal news. I am booked to get my nose done, guys. I'm so excited. I'm just gonna be open about it because like, I mean, most people probably just wouldn't notice. I mean, who knows? I have no idea how different it's going to look, but I just want to put it out there. I'm not trying to like hide it. You know, I'm always open about like what I get done. I've gotten Botox. So that's really all I've gotten done. But hey, if I get other stuff done, you guys will be the first to know. So I'm getting my septoplasty to help my breathing so I don't sound like such a nasally bitch on here. And, you know, while they're in there, I'm just going to do a little bit of rhinoplasty too. Why not? So if I am out of commission for like a week or two in June, that is why. But I'm so excited. I just can't believe it's finally happened. I feel like this has been 33 years in the making for me. And isn't it cool that you can go 33 years with one nose and then I get to try out having another nose for the next 50 years? I love that for me. <laughs> oh my gosh, the most exciting news of the week is that Harry Styles announced his new album. It's coming out May 20th. I feel like I'm counting it down in my head. It's been about three years since his last album came out. You guys know what a Harry Styles fan I am. I feel like this means there's also going to be a tour announcement. Uh, I have a savings account that's literally called Harry Styles Funds. And admittedly, the savings that are in there are probably going to be used for other stuff. But it, it helps me manifest um, having the funds to get a good ticket to a Harry Styles concert. Because in my world, that is money well spent. Speaking of tickets and concerts, I actually bought a ticket for the John Mayer concert next week, which I am beyond excited about because I know I've told the story on here, but the only time I've seen John Mayer is literally 10 years ago. It was 2012. I went to the VMAs for the first time with Elena and we went to a pre-VMAs concert the night before. The Wanted was playing, literally like our favorite boy band of the time. This was like pre-us really knowing about One Direction, or when One Direction was just coming out, sort of. And the special guests were um, the Gangnam Style Man and then John Mayer. And we thought it was going to be Justin Bieber because this was the night we took a shot with Scooter Braun, who was, you know, famously an asshole, but also famously Justin Bieber's manager. And lo and behold, the guest was John Mayer, and he came out, and we were, like, throwing elbows trying to get to the front. Um, not actually, but, you know, we, we, we definitely were fangirling to the extreme at that moment in time. So I only saw him do a couple of songs, and I literally, on my, you know, disc player, I don't even know what they're called, Walkman, um, with, like, the headphones over the head, I would listen to Room for Squares every night as I was going to sleep. Obviously, you guys know the Mayorcraft episode of this podcast. If you haven't listened yet, I did an interview with a girl who had gone on the Mayorcraft 2 cruise ship. So I don't know. It just felt fitting that I was finally going to an actual John Mayer concert. I'm sad because I was looking at the set list and I feel like the only song he does from Room for Squares is Your Body is a Wonderland. And you know, obviously that's a classic, a great song, but probably not my favorite from that album. Why Georgia for some reason? I love that one. <laughs> that just has like a special place in my heart. Oh, I've been dying to tell you all this story. So last weekend 
we've been renovating the bathroom in my upstairs unit and my parents are like the ultimate handy people they are lawyers but I swear they should get into like the home renovation business because they're so good at it so we're renovating the bathroom in my upstairs and it means like completely demolishing it redoing everything so we were working really late and we went out to dinner late it was like 9 30 we go to this random Italian restaurant that I really like uh, but it's in Lake Worth which is a small town but as you guys will recall I mentioned Lake Worth because Guy Fieri just bought a four million dollar house there and the reason that was notable is because most people who move to this area are celebs who buy homes in this area they tend to buy in Palm Beach or even in West Palm, or up north, like in the Jupiter area. And obviously, you guys know I'm obsessed with the fact that Kristen Stewart wanted him to officiate her wedding. So I feel like this was all leading up to this moment, because like I said, we're at this random restaurant at a random-ass time, and Guy Fieri is there, seemingly celebrating something. He was with a big group of people that seemed to be his family, ordering tons of food, tons of drink. We were some of the only other people in the restaurant, (laughs) because it was so late. And I... I just couldn't get over it. It was also hilarious because my dad is the one who spotted him. And my dad is notoriously a little bit face blind and just can't (laughs) differentiate celebs from each other. So the fact that he recognized him and obviously Guy Fieri has such a discernible look that it makes sense. But still, it was so funny. Obviously, we didn't bother him. He was eating dinner. But you know I wanted to ask him if he was going to follow through with officiating Kristen's wedding. It's all I wanted to know. Oh my gosh. Oh, wait, back to John Mayer. I meant to say, so I know that there's two people who listen to my podcast and I know one of you guys like has his phone number, I believe, and has hung out with him before. And I'm just saying like, if you want to text him and give me a little hookup, I'm just saying hypothetically, I wouldn't turn that down, but I'm just kidding. I know you guys are like if you're gonna get a hookup I would hope it would be for yourselves and not for me down in Florida but hey if you want a last little Florida trip and come down and come to the concert with me I would love that I hope you know that I'm talking about you and that you have listened to this episode (laughs) speaking of connections can I just give another little shout out to this very tenuous connection and maybe I'm jinxing it by saying this but I had to tell you guys okay and if you want to pause the podcast to go look this man up and then spend like an hour scrolling through his TikToks I will not be offended I will understand so his name on TikTok is at Brad the Boxer and you've probably seen him if you spend any amount of time on TikTok because I feel like he comes up on my for you page a fair amount but I, I do love a cooking video with a hot man I love Owen Hahn and and Huli, oh my gosh, their videos, that's another black hole if you want to go down one. They're like two of the first people I followed on TikTok. So anyways, Brad the Boxer, he does these videos where he has really good knife skills and he always has a toothpick in his mouth and he wears very aggressive man tanks that are just like completely, you know, really low cut on the sides. So you're seeing a lot of arm, a lot of like side boob, man side boob. Anyway, so I was looking at his Instagram and I noticed a girl that I am acquaintances with followed him and he followed her. So I reached out to my friend who's very good friends with my acquaintance and I was like, girl, A, does she know this man? B, why hasn't she set you up with him? And C, will he come on my podcast? So she got the scoop for me. Uh, He is good friends with her friend's boyfriend. I know, I'm sorry, this sounds so distant, but I feel like it's a close enough relationship that we can make something happen. And he lives in Fort Lauderdale, not that far from me. And 
she said that she could arrange a little hangout day and we can go hang out with him and his dogs. And I am, I'm fangirling, but I really just want to interview him for the podcast because I've never, I've never had like a man interview. So I think that could be interesting. And I just have a lot of questions for him. Like what inspired the toothpick? Where does he get all of his tank tops? Does he cut them himself? I mean, if you guys have questions you want to ask Brad the Boxer, let me know. Because again, we're just we're just going to act like he's fully coming on until it happens. Because I feel like that's the sort of confidence I just have to go forward with. And on top of that, this acquaintance also offered up the fact that she used to have a situationship with a man who was on that show called The Courtship. Now, I have not watched it yet, but immediately after hearing this, I'm like, this is how I need to spend my Sunday night. It is a fascinating concept. It's sort of Bachelor-esque, but it's supposed to be set in Regency England. Like, they're pretending that they're in Regency England. Like, bear with me. So, obviously, with Bridgerton having a moment, it's kind of supposed to look like that. They all wear, like, similar clothes to that, and they go through these courtship rituals that would have been around in Regency England. And it's a woman, and she's getting to pick among various men. And one of the men on the show is named Dan Hunter, and he had a situationship with this acquaintance. And she says he thinks he would be very willing to come on the show and that he's very nice and fun. So those are just some potential guests to look forward to. I also found it very fitting because this week The Cut had an article titled, Please, I Beg of You, Watch the Courtship by Sarah Stark. And she titles it Regency Era Cosplay. And she's like, you know, it didn't do great on NBC. So it got moved to their sibling channel, USA. And she's really worried that it's going to get canceled. She's, she's like, please watch it so that I can continue watching it. And she pointed out that actually it seems in some ways to avoid the problems of The Bachelor. And I haven't watched The Bachelor in years because it really just became too much for me to put up with. So this might be a refreshing dating show. Again, I'm just very excited to go watch it tonight. And if you are watching it, please let me know. And please let me know if you have any thoughts on Dan Hunter and if you think he should come on the show. And oh, while we're here, let's talk about how I always love to hear from you. Please follow me at Bailey Evan on Instagram or at Kinda Cute Podcast or both. And if you haven't already, do a big favor for me and give this show five stars on Spotify if you feel like it deserves it. It's so easy on Spotify. You just click the little thing at the top when you go to the show page and read it five stars. And if you haven't already, I'd also love an Apple podcast review rating, whatever you want to give me. And more than anything else, if you like this podcast, if you share it with a friend, if you tag me on Instagram, like Instagram story, tag me, tell me your favorite part of the episode. No one ever does that for me, not to sound really pathetic, but just no one really ever does that except for my actual friends in real life. So if you did that, ugh, chef's kiss to you. Okay, so full disclosure, this episode is kind of heavy on the white man talk, but there was two good articles about Angus Cloud from Euphoria and Jake Johnson, famously from New Girl. He played Nick. But first we have our Angus Cloud article. It's called 15 Minutes with Angus Cloud as he does press for Polo by Ralph Lauren by Brooke LaMancha. The Polo by Ralph Lauren is a new fragrance. Angus Cloud plays Fez on Euphoria. There's a spoiler in this next part. So if you haven't seen the last episode of Euphoria season two and you don't want it spoiled, skip ahead 30 seconds. 
Okay, so Brooke says that 15 minutes of chaotic Angus Cloud energy is like a spicy spring breeze, and I love every second of it. Can I just say now, if anyone were ever to describe me as a spicy spring breeze, wow, I could just, I could die happy. So she asks how he applies his fragrances, and she says, you throw it on, how do you put it on, like your wrists or your neck? He says, I just fucking spray a cloud and walk through it like a G, you know? It feels like you get it all around. She says, totally, I do that too. <laughs> how did you feel watching the euphoria season finale he says it was pretty emotional i'm sorry i'm like reading this whole interview almost because it is so good from start to finish because his energy is just it's spicy spring breeze she says i heard that fez was supposed to die instead of ashtray do you know why they changed that he says that's a good question so you don't know no they wanted to be the most dramatic thing i guess so that's end of the spoiler talk she says people always say that you're fez in real life he says, what happened in real life? She goes, people always say you're just like Fez. Are there any frustrations there? He says, I don't care. I just tell people in real life, what's up? That's not my name. <laughs> okay, so now we're getting to my true favorite part. She says, how did it feel to be the hottie of season two? And he says, the what now? And she says, the hottie. You must have seen the tweets. And he says, I don't use Twitter. For real. I don't know what you're talking about. And this is clearly he's being sarcastic or he has a PR person tweeting for him because he tweeted throughout the Euphoria episodes, but I think he's just being sarcastic. So she says, hmm, okay. And then he says, it didn't bother me, obviously referring to, you know, being called the hottie. And he says, did it feel nice? And he says, sure, yeah, it's cool. I still look the same as I always did, so it's strange that all of a sudden everyone is like, oh, this guy's so hot. You wouldn't have said that shit about me if I wasn't on TV, you know? If I was just some random dude on the corner, you wouldn't just put me on Instagram like, look how hot this dude is. And I said this on my TikTok, at Bailey Evan, if you want to follow, but I love how self-aware this quote is because, as I said on TikTok, I feel like that's a common thing that comes up in groups of girls. You're like, is he hot because he is who he is and he's a musician, actor, whatever? Or if I saw that man walking down the street, would I think he's attractive? I think Angus Cloud is pretty cute, um, but I get what he's saying. I don't, I don't think he'd have the same thirstiness for him. Like, I don't think Tinks would be sliding into his DMs, which she admitted to doing, if he wasn't on Euphoria, you know, like, and part of that's just because you're getting more exposure, but it's also because people are to a certain extent falling in love with the character and how you play it. And it becomes hard to separate that. So again, I love the self-awareness here. And Brooke says, so you're telling me that you didn't have girls following you around before Euphoria? And he says, I mean, <laughs> she says, we have to ask about the Cheetos. Do you always have emergency snacks on you? Because in another interview, he talked about like always carrying Cheetos with him. And he says, yeah, they're ready. So I got to get ready. You feel me? Which I don't even know what that means, but sure. She asks where he carries them. And he says, I keep them in my waistline. They don't get smashed. She asks, depends on the snack. And he says, she says, what's your go-to snack? And he says, a Slim Jim. And I don't know about y'all, but I loved a trashy snack when I was younger. I like, I still love a trashy snack. I just unfortunately now cannot eat Slim Jims anymore. I used to love Slim Jims and Vienna sausages. Oh, I would go to town on both of those. The Slim Jim is so salty, so greasy. It gives you a nice little like grease lip balm feel. Mm, the casing should be considered. Considered disgusting, but it just goes down so good. 
So then she asked, do you believe in any conspiracy theories? I love the whiplash of this interview because you guys know this podcast is a little bit whiplashy. So this is right up my alley. And he says, sometimes if you watch YouTube, they're pretty convincing. So then she asks, do you believe in aliens? And then he says, probably they might be disguised as humans, which I mean, probably yes. <laughs> as promised, we now have an article about Jake Johnson. Jake Johnson is pro dirtbag. The actor dives into his role as a sleazy but lovable porn publisher on HBO's Max's Minx by Katya Vujic. I really want to see this show, Minx. If you've seen it yet, let me know your thoughts. I clearly have a packed schedule between watching this and The Courtship. I'm pretty much not going to have time for anything else. I apologize in advance. Okay, so my main takeaway from this is that Jake Johnson's an antiquer. So Katja writes that he pans the zoom camera over to what appears to be an elegant wooden clothes chair with jackets hanging on either side of it and a pair of boots perched on the seat, which he lifts to reveal a huge rip in the cane woven center. It's not a problem. It's a project. I'll eventually get to fixing that, he says. A chair like that, that's a really fun activity to figure out how to fix it, finding the material, and then going to the places to get the material. It gets really fun. Okay, this is where I have to interject because I have actually done this same exact project. I found a chair on the side of the street that someone was getting rid of. I was like, ooh, fun project. That's a cute chair. These chairs go for a fair amount of money. I'm going to fix it myself. It's going to be so easy. No, it was like the hardest thing I've ever done. I had to order this cane kit from Etsy. That was pretty expensive. Then I had to like rip out the old remnants of the cane. I had to glue it in. I had to hammer it down. It it was very hard. Like I'm not doing justice to how hard it was. So I respect that he looks at that and considers it a fun project. But I wonder if he's actually done this sort of repair before. And I would like to talk to him after he's finished with it. So then it talks about Minx, and here's a little rundown of it. It says, The show centers around Doug, that's Jake's character, his clash turned collaboration with Joyce, an eager editor hopeful working the phones at a teen magazine whose dream is to produce a feminist magazine she titles The Matriarchy Awakens, which she then changes to Minx. Doug convinces Joyce to work with him, combining her articles on topics like equal pay and marital rape with nude spreads catered to the female gaze. She writes, Yes, that means an HBO dick montage. First episode, baby. Which, honestly, I've had enough of those. Again, I'm always all for there being more male nude scenes to make up for all the years of objectifying women in TV. But a lot of times they use prosthetics, as we talked about in the Euphoria episode. And honestly, as Jake points out, he is of the long-held opinion that the dick is an objectively funny-looking organ. So in the most dickful scenes, he had to hold back the giggles and the chuckles. And then he tells a story about how he grew up going to baseball games at Wrigley Field where the men's bathroom allowed for no privacy and he describes it like a feeding trough and as a young boy you go to the bathroom it's packed you're shoulder to shoulder there are about 25 drunks everybody's in that bathroom making jokes having fun but when you go to pee you're noticing everybody's penis everybody's trying to look forward not to laugh or they don't care but for me it was always don't laugh don't laugh don't laugh honestly I'm so glad women's bathrooms aren't like pig troughs like no thank you I liked the story he told about fans of New Girl and how guys would come up to him and they would apologize for liking the show. And they'd start out by saying, I gotta say, man, that shit's not for me, but you're funny. And then they talk about how much they like Schmidt and they talk about specific scenes. And Jake was like, he got to the point where he realized, you watch every episode, asshole. You love the show. Why aren't you just allowed to say, because it's called New Girl, that you love the fucking show? 
And he's wondering if that's going to be the same thing that happens with Minx too, which he calls the my wife loves the show treatment. And I really hate when people just can't unapologetically like the stuff that they like and gendering things like New Girl, which objectively to me is about like the male and female perspective. I didn't watch all of it, but I watched it as it was coming out on TV and I watched the first probably three seasons. And it's a show that it's, it's catered to both gazes, in my opinion. I don't think it's specifically to a woman's perspective, even though obviously Jess is the main character. And he also points out that he's been getting a lot of questions about feminism because of Minx coming out, and he says he feels ill-prepared to answer them, although he affirms that he considers himself a feminist and believes everyone should be one. So that, that made me like him a little more. Maybe he's just saying that to get props, but hell, everyone should be saying that. So snaps to Jake. Okay, our next article is frankly a little bit deranged. So it's called Three Cosmos and a Poodle Dance with Candace Bushnell by Brock Collier. We've talked about Brock before. He does the series where he goes out and parties with notable people, influencers, and writes about his night out with them. He like timestamps each interaction. Candace Bushnell, most famously, is the author of the Sex and the City book series, which was, of course, made into the TV show. And she kind of models herself as like the real life. Carrie Bradshaw, you know, CB, both have the same initials. She's very much a New York gal. And he spends the night with her at this Soho nightclub called The The Blonde. Again, if you guys have been there, I am such not a going out in New York person. Like, I love New York, but the problem is I usually have such a big meal that I'm just tapped out. I'm very much like getting fancy cocktails at my dinner and then going to a cool loungy bar, getting more cocktails and then calling it a night. So if you've had an experience at The Blonde, let me know. So Candace says, I like to think the heyday is still to come. She told me when I met her on Friday night at The Blonde, the Soho nightclub described in a line not quite worthy of Bushnell herself as where rich, bald dudes pick up gorgeous models by the New York Post when it opened in 2016. And then he goes on to say it's also where Bushnell and a coterie of well-preserved boozy ladies sometimes meet up for an early evening cocktail, which honestly, if that's my future, I'm okay with that. He says, in person, Candace turned out to be exactly what you really want for Carrie Bradshaw, and maybe yourself at 63. Hot, a bit messy, a petite little fairy godmother with a naughty side. Right now, she's on a break from her one-woman off-Broadway show, Is There Still Sex in the City? And apparently, it's going to reopen at the Carlisle, which is like the very bougie hotel. It's where Bimmelman's, Bimmelman's Bar is. It's where uh, they do the Met Gala, like where all the slubs get ready. So, I don't know where exactly in the Carlisle it's going to open, but okay. Okay, I just did a little research on this, and apparently it's actually opening at Cafe Carlisle, which has some interesting acts coming up. It just had Isaac Mizrahi there. Diana Agron's going to be there March 29th to April 9th. Mario Cantone, who's actually in Sex and the City, he's there April 12th to the 16th. Tony Danz is going to be there. And it's kind of like a cabaret vibe. It says uh, it's known for headlining incredible talents including Alan Cumming and Woody Allen. Ooh, that's not a cute look. <laughs> it says it seats up to 90 for dinner and a performance. The Supper Club offers a unique, intimate space. Fascinating. And then I saw a Page Six article. Apparently, it first opened in 1955, and it opened with the Isaac Mizrahi shows again. Oh my god, David Foster and Catherine McPhee are doing a stage version of their Instagram show at the cafe. Oh, that makes me die a little on the inside. (laughs) 
it says that the show will be more cabaret than her off-Broadway debut and feature special life stories, including partying at Studio 54 and how to make cosmos while balancing in Manolo Blahnik heels. I mean, truly a life skill that everyone needs to know, I suppose. And this is fitting to what she says next. So <laughs> he asks her what she has planned for after her show closing. And she says, She's hoping to keep working on projects where she's the star rather than writing stories for Sarah Jessica Parker saying SJP's full name in a whiny baby voice, which I have to say made me love her even more. That's Brock saying that. That makes me like her a little less because it's just kind of gross. <laughs> like, you're really going to talk shit about the person who popularized your book series? Okay. I mean, I want... And obviously they had to have met because... But who knows? Maybe SJP really is that awful. I'm sure Kim Cattrall would agree. I wonder if Kim and Candace get together in real life. And then she says, part of me wants to order a Cosmo. She says, perusing the cocktail menu before doing just that, but not before clarifying with the waitress that the pink drink she made famous would be shaken with fresh lime juice. I mean, of course, what establishment is not going to be using fresh lime juice? Hello? Also, this is coming from me who frequently uses bottled key lime juice uh, because I'm a lazy bitch who doesn't want to, you know, juice my limes for my tequila drinks. Y'all, can I interject to say I made the best cocktail this week? Can I give a little rundown for you? So half of a cucumber, you the whole thing, you can use the skin, everything. A jalapeno, you can take the seeds out if you don't want it spicy at all and you just kind of want that like vegetal green pepper taste. But if you want it spicy, leave some seeds in. Do you, boo? I put that in my Vitamix, which I am obsessed with. The best blender I've ever owned. Put that in there with a little bit of water and some cilantro if you have it. It's okay if you don't. Blend it all up. Then strain it so you just get the juice of that. Mix that with lime juice, a little bit of water, uh, lots of ice, and tequila oh my gosh it tastes like you're just drinking the freshest green juice oh and i like to use like a little stevia but you could use any sort of sweetener like a agave uh simple syrup it would be great with agave it is so good i just had to throw that out there because i haven't talked to you guys about a good cocktail recipe in a while so if you're looking for one it's a it's a little bit of work but it comes together really fast and if you don't have a vitamix i know that was one of my legit shits in the past I'm telling you, it is worth the investment. Look out for when they go on sale. I it I use it all the time. I use it to make smoothies. I use it to make cashew cream, to make like creamy vegan sauces. I use it for cocktails. It is incredible. Okay, I I need a Vitamix sponsorship. Like I that's on my manifesting list. So then he writes that Candace's friend, the fashion designer Nicole Miller, shows up in tinted aviators inside the dim, mostly empty club, and the two quickly launch into gossip. This is something I noticed, actually, when we went to Bimbleman's, the one I was just talking about that's in the Carlisle. A lot of these rich, older people were wearing sunglasses at night. Is that is that like a thing that just the rich people do? And he says, the only words I can pick out of the chatter between Nicole and uh, Candace gossiping is drunk and mess, seemingly about their friend Luann. Deliceps, Nicole clarifies, the real housewife who just two nights before had been kicked out of a gay piano bar in Midtown for reportedly drunkenly hogging the mic. My crazy friends are still crazy, Candace would tell me later, which is rather comforting. Oh, poor Luann. She had to issue like a public apology about that. You know, she's like, I make mistakes. So clearly she's fallen off the ladder a little bit from her sober days. 
I'm wishing her the best. I talked about when I met her, when I stuck into her meet and greet after her cabaret show. I went with my friend Megan in Miami. She got me the tickets for my birthday and literally like the best birthday present ever. And we had the best time. We snuck into the meet and greet. She was so delightful. I loved meeting her. So I just, I hope the best for her. I just, and she's such great TV. I, she can never stop being a housewife. Speaking of, did you guys see that allegedly they're going to have two different Real Housewives of New York. They're going to have one cast that's going to be younger and fresh and completely new. And that's going to be the main Real Housewives of New York. And then they're going to have like a Roni legacy. It doesn't have an official name yet. And that's going to be the OG Roni people. And actually, now that I think about it, I think Andy Cohen gave quotes on this. So it's pretty set in stone. This just feels fitting, especially since SJP is friends with Andy Cohen. So I think it's interesting that she's shitting on SJP, but yet she's friends with all the housewives. Because we'll get into that a little more later. She um, reveals that like she's friends with a lot of them. Brock goes on to write that Candace reminisces to me about cavorting around the brightly lit city with her cohort of cokehead contemporaries. For the record, she no longer partakes. For one thing, she's afraid of fentanyl. Same girl, same. Unless you count a few weeks ago when her friends were visiting from the UK, but that doesn't really count because the British, quote, all do coke still. It would be tragic, she says, maybe thinking ahead to the tabloid headlines to be found slumped over in front of, quote, lines on a coffee table. I love how she's like, ooh, fentanyl. But then, like, when the UK people are in town, she's like, oh, well, like, that doesn't count. That's fine. I mean, to be 63 and still hit in the coke, like, girl, I don't, I don't know about that, sis. So then she kind of talks about her love life and says, at this point, she doesn't even care how old he is as long as he has money. Quote, if you're 21 or 91, chances are you're looking for a connection. Sure enough, later in the night, a model who's familiar with Candace would tell me she's always asking to be set up with his younger friends. Recently, she says she tried using the dating app Raya, but just as Luann warned her, she didn't make any worthy matches. In part, she blames her dating misfortune on having natural boobs. Oh, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, first off, I love that she's just asking models to hook her up with young people because that feels like a very Sonia Morgan vibe to me. So I guarantee that Sonia Morgan is one of her Roni friends. So famously, it was Candace who Dorinda said the famous line, how am I doing? Not well, bitch. She said that to Candace at a party. So that's just a fun fact I love to whip out. And I love that Luann was on Raya. I'm still waiting for my Raya invite. Like, if anyone has one to toss my way, like, I don't care if people say it's not that great. I want to be on it. I've said this since I started this podcast. I'm still just waiting for someone to throw me a bone. And then Brock talks about how he lends Candace his weed pen, but she says that THC won't get her high. And then at 9.57 p.m., he says, well, Candace is pretty stoned. Add in another Cosmopolitan, our third, and she's quick to gossip about some of the women she knows. One is a sex fiend, one is dumb, one's a stoner, one's surprisingly quite pretty, and another did way too much blow back in the day. All of them are current or former Real Housewives of New York. I tried to think in my mind which person would go with with which. I think Ramona's the sex fiend. The dumb one, no idea. The stoner, I would say, is Carol Radswell. Surprisingly quite pretty. I think that has to be Sonia Morgan, because I just think she's stunning, but I don't think it's surprising that she's stunning. I don't know. Who's the dumb one? It can't be Bethany. I mean, Bethany seems very smart. I don't know. Oh, and another one, did I say, yeah, did too much blow in the day? No idea who that is either. I'm just shook. I'm shook by all of this. And then he says, Candace, once again, sucking on my weed pen, does what she calls her, quote, poodle dance, turning her hands into limp paws and waving them in front of her. 
I had to include this because this honestly sounds like something I would do with my friends and how I prefer to dance, just a little like right in front of the boobs, hands held up like my dog, twisting them around. She has two poodles, by the way, which I think is why it's called the poodle dance. I would love to see this in person. And then it ends by him saying, on my way home, I notice a video Candace posted from her own Uber of the city whizzing by out the window, captioned, try to compete. And he says, who could? Just a full, a full New York experience. Uh, she really, she's really living the Carrie Bradshaw dream at 63. I don't know if it's the dream I want for myself. I kind of want to live this life minus all the illicit drugs in my 30s. But you know what? It's never too late. You're never too old. And live your life, girlfriend. Okay, we've made it to our legit shit of the day. Now, this one's a little odd, so bear with me. But months ago, my aunt told me how she tapes her mouth because she, like me, has trouble breathing out of her nose, and she actually just got a septoplasty. She's, like, the one who inspired me to get it, so I felt like this was fitting for this episode. So she told me about mouth taping because mouth taping at night forces you to breathe out of your nose. And you might not think you breathe out of your mouth at night, but if you wake up and your mouth is really dry and you're really thirsty, you might be mouth breathing at night. So I have been hesitant to try this because I was like, I literally will choke and die in my sleep because I don't get enough airflow through my nose. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get it a try. So I got this surgical tape and that's my actual legit shit for this week. It's really nice. It's silicone based. It feels really comfortable on. I just use a little tiny strip of it in the middle of my mouth so that there's still some air that can come out of the sides of my mouth. And I've been sleeping with it with the past couple days. And they say that it can really improve your sleep when you switch to nose breathing. And I swear I've had more energy the last couple of days since I've been doing it. And apparently it just can help with so many things because your nose filters out. It acts as a filtration system, basically. The little hairs in your nose that you don't get that when you're breathing through your mouth. So again, I know this sounds a little insane, but give it a try if you think you have a similar problem because I haven't woken up gasping for air it feels a little odd at first but once you kind of just do it for a little bit and breathe through it and focus on breathing through your nose it's a game changer and I know people do this I see it on TikTok sometimes and I just wanted to bring it to to you guys because I don't know I don't know guys I think I'm a convert so catch me every night with a little piece of tape on my mouth it looks a little freaky I scared my sister but it's worth it all right so of course that's linked in the show notes Thank you guys for listening and I will see you next week. Bye.